Welcome to Hoopsville Preseason Podcast. I'm Dave McHugh. You have found installment number four of four of our preseason work. We hope you've enjoyed them so far. Lots of work to talk about, and you can always listen to previous podcasts on our page that you found this podcast. We hope you've been enjoying our look at a lot of coaching changes in the offseason. Really haven't talked about much else except for the refereeing situation. Certainly saving some stuff for the beginning of the season as well. And speaking of the beginning of the season, we will officially get underway Thursday, November 16th at 7 o'clock Eastern Time with the official season debut of Hoopsville in all its glory, video and all. We hopefully have all our bugs worked out from off season. We always seem to have some, so we always ask you to bear with us. But we hope you've enjoyed these audio-only podcasts. In the meantime, don't forget, you can always interact with us at D3 Hoopsville on both Instagram and on Twitter. If you use the hashtag Hoopsville, that'll get our attention as well, especially on Twitter. You can always follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. As we said, we've been talking to a lot of coaches who have made moves in the offseason. Not that uncommon to see coaches make moves in the offseason, but we certainly had some fascinating ones this year. And this episode is going to be more about the hodgepodge of ones that have made moves, not necessarily because they're hodgepodge moves, but because we just didn't know where to put them in our themes. We look forward to talking to a number of coaches today, and they run the spectrum. We're going to start up at Wisconsin Superior with Greg Polkowski, Talk about his absolutely crazy twists and turns of coaching. Where he started, where he got his influence, and then where he's gone from there up until now where his last decision wasn't exactly a slam dunk. And I don't mean because he didn't know where he wanted to go, but because he ended up being pretty sought after. So we'll talk to Greg Polkowski coming up. We'll also talk to John Carroll's Pete Moran might recognize the last name. Pete is the son of Mike Moran, who just retired after 25 years at the helm of the Blue Streaks. We'll talk to Pete about his somewhat different road as well. You may not remember this or realize this or whatever the case may be, but Pete actually took off some time between high school and college before coming back to play. He talks about that. He's rather open about it and what were his challenges, but he also talks about what his challenges are ahead for coaching the Blue Streaks starting now. We'll then switch into some women's basketball and talk to the new head coach at Puget Sound. It's Casey Kushiyama. Lost another coach to D1 out of Puget Sound, but Casey takes over a program he certainly should know. He's been around the Northwest Conference quite a bit, having been the former assistant coach at Wertworth. He's also had an interesting road himself, having been a men's and women's coach, assistant coach primarily, in his tenure. We'll talk to him about taking over the loggers, what he expects from the program, and if the Northwest Conference race will continue to be as crazy as it has been for the last few years. And finally, we'll talk about another change up in Wisconsin in the WIAC, one that certainly has a lot of people's attention. Kent Dernbach, who had been the assistant or associate head coach at Stevens Point for a number of years and actually coached the program the last half of last season, when Bob Semling was seated, let's say, Kent ended up moving on. He is now at Wisconsin Lacrosse as their head coach. Kent agreed to come on the show, and we'll talk to him about the transition of that job, what he expects with lacrosse, how much experience did he gain at Stevens Point intentionally and unintentionally, and we'll quickly touch base with him on whether he's got any challenges, he thinks, with the current investigation in Stevens Point. Probably won't talk a lot about that, but we'll at least ask him briefly about whether he thinks that is going to be a hindrance in the future. So that's all coming up here on Hoopsville's preseason podcast finale, all before we get ourselves back underway with our traditional video 
format. I'll have to admit, I've enjoyed these podcasts, but we'll talk about that at the end of the show. And with that, let's start our interviews. We'll start on the men's side with Wisconsin Superior's Greg Polkowski. Again, lots of twists and turns with Polkowski's coaching career, and he talked to us about that and much more. Now joining me on the Hoopsaw Hotline, the new technically interim head coach of UW-Superior. It is an alum. Greg Polkowski joins us. Greg, uh, thanks for taking the time to join us. Thanks, Dave, for having me. Excited to be on the show with you today. I appreciate it. Um, first and foremost, we should welcome you back home, as it were. Uh, a grad of Superior, graduating in 2008. We, we'll talk about the road uh, less traveled in some cases, or maybe popularly traveled, depending on how you look at it. Uh, but what is... It, what does it mean to be back, basically, in your old stomping grounds and back home? Yeah, it, it means a lot. Uh, you know, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed my time here as a student athlete and then uh, started my coaching career here after uh, graduation in 2008. And, and the university and the community and, and the whole area in general uh, has, has always meant a lot to me. Uh, a lot of great memories here, a lot of great people here, uh, a lot of great relationships here. And I, I've always had a strong belief uh, uh, in the university and the athletic department, uh, both combined in, in the direction they're going. And uh, it means a lot now to, to be a part of that, uh, not only as an alum, but now you know working uh, within the university and athletic department and being part of that direction. So it means the world. And, of course, coming back home, uh, where family, as you point out, is and, and, and all that. And we'll talk a little bit about the process. But as an alum of a program, what does it mean to then take, and I ask this of all, and I get different answers, but what does it mean to take over the program that you played for? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring that out as we go here. <laughs> um, but, you know, what it, for me, really, you, you've been in, in those guys' shoes. You've been uh, through a number of the same challenges. You've walked the same path to class. You've walked the same steps back to your dorm room. Uh, you you kind of have a better understanding of where they're they're at with things, and really with my experience here, uh, relating to our current players, you know, I went through uh, a number of coaching changes too uh, as a student athlete, and, and know what the the positives and challenges can be of that. Um, so so. My ability to relate with them, coach to player, um, just on those examples alone, I, I think has really given us, given us a chance to connect early on, and then and then also understanding, uh, you know, what it, what it means to be part of this athletic department and the pride that goes with it, and in the opportunities that are there, both having seen them before um, and and now being a part of, you know, the, that journey with the guys right now. So let's rewind it. Uh, you graduated after playing 58 games from 2004 to 2008 and immediately get hired by Dave Buchanan, who, interestingly enough, always seems to be in the mix in the conversations in Wisconsin when uh, anybody talks about coaching jobs. Um, Dave uh, hired you on as an assistant coach right after you graduated uh, in 08 and 09, and you were there for two years. So you got a little bit of tutelage under him. Um, and then you ended up moving on, um, I believe, didn't you follow him to Carroll University as well? Yeah, you know, upon uh, getting done playing and graduating uh, in 08, uh, stayed on with uh, with Dave uh, here at UW Superior for the 08 09 season. Actually, the one season, um, you know, kind of started things off coaching here um, and and really getting a good sense of things just from you know being in that seat. And then at that time, Dave had accepted the uh, Carroll University position and what would have been uh, the summer 09 and then went down with him for two seasons um, 
um, down to Carroll University in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and, and spent two seasons there uh, with him uh, while, while Carroll was still part of the Midwest Conference at that time. Right, and obviously Carroll this year moving into the CCIW officially. Um, so where does this, you know, you end up into this coaching track. Obviously you graduated with a, a major in physical education, or Bachelor's of Science degree, I should say, in physical education, and then got your Master's degree at Carroll. This clearly feels like this was the route you wanted to take. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I think since I arrived here, just to bring it back all the way again, uh, in 2003 on campus here at UW Superior, um, you know, I knew right away. Then, you know, I knew coming into to college, you know, that was my intention to to get into education and coaching. But once uh, you know, you were really fully immersed in the college game, um, I knew that's what I wanted to do for sure. And uh, you know intertwined with that was still the education piece and coaching piece and you know still had a passion there so being involved you know when you're young and you're able to to really get after it and find out you know how to do things right how to do things wrong kind of on your own uh you know for those first three years after uh playing with with dave uh both here at superior and then at carroll university as an assistant was just a great experience was able to make a lot of connections uh, during that time, and, and then after that, you know, really used that degree, uh, both from UW Superior and in my master's from Carroll. Um, you know, working uh, in Milwaukee for a year, teaching and coaching, mm-hmm. and uh, taking over a head uh, or a high school program as a head coach at at Waukesha North High School. And I I don't think um, you know really anything replaces um, the experience of being a head coach. Sure. More so than being a head coach. So, you know, I've, I've picked up a lot of lessons along the way from multiple people, but also spent three years as a head high school coach before then getting back into the college game after that. Yeah, and that's where things, I think, take an interesting twist with your story is, is you took that experience at Waukesha, at Waukesha North, I should say, and nearly turned it into returning to, to Superior as a head coach. You were actually one of the finalists when Everhart was hired in 2012 you almost got the same job we're talking about now. Yeah, it, it really was uh, interesting. And, and, you know, I, I had spent those three years as a college assistant, uh, you know, one at Superior here and then two at, at Carroll with, with Dave Buchanan. And, and then had gotten into some, some coaching and teaching uh, in, in Milwaukee. And the the opportunity actually, but no, that was right after. I take that back. Yeah, right after. Yeah, right after Milwaukee, um, the opportunity for the the position at UW Superior came open in what would have been the summer of 2012. And interviewed for that position at that time. You know, my the passion and pride and the excitement for that position at that time was sky high, and I, I loved it as much then as I do now. Um, and you know. At that time, I really thought it was one of the greatest. You know, I still remember that day, that interview process, and that day, and the feelings I had going into that interview of, you know, do I really have a chance? Mm-hmm. I left that, you know, the process that day, really feeling just excited and really feel like, man, I really feel good about this, and you know, I think this could happen. Uh, obviously, Coach Everhart was hired, and, and you know, that definitely, you know, he had a, a wealth of experience, a wealth of knowledge, and and definitely the direction they needed to go. And looking back on that now, what would be going into six years later, um, this would be the sixth year, is as good of experience as that was, and as much as I was invested then, I, I think really it was for everybody's benefit. The, the experiences I was able to um, take in over the last five years have only prepared me 
to be better prepared to be a head coach now, returning here now in, in 2017, both being a, a head high school coach in a, in a great high school league uh, for three years and then returning to uh, Division Three basketball at UW-Eau Claire um, for two years after that have, have really only helped me even more. So in some ways it was a blessing in disguise. Sure. sure. And, I, and I've, I've heard that a lot of times, it's a, even in my own life. I think anybody's life, there's these small blessings in disguise sometimes when something doesn't happen. But you're, again, the theme of this is twists and turns. You don't get the superior job the first time around when Everhart is hired. You're then hired by uh, the former superior head coach, Matt Silvering, who has gone over to Eau Claire. He then hires you to be his assistant. Yeah, yeah. Kind of another, like you said, crazy twist and turn. And, and you know, you know, at that time, that was 2015. And uh, I, I remember that very vividly, too. You know, there's kind of certain people I, you know, talk to, whether, it, you know, at all levels of basketball still. And I remember – the, the final four that year was in Indianapolis, and uh, we had, that was just getting done with my third year being a high school coach. We had a great year. Uh, we, had, we made a great run, and we were really set up for another great year going into year four. Wisconsin State Tournament had just concluded. You know, we were getting ready for the next year already, and the final four was in Indianapolis that year, and I, I, I actually Wisconsin was in it, so I was yep. getting ready to drive down there and he got a call. I don't, and I think the job had maybe just been posted that the assistant position was going to be open at UW-Eau Claire. And immediately, you know, my mind started going and the wheels started turning and just knew, uh, not even because at that time, you know, I had that close of a connection with Matt Cyberling, the, the head coach at UW-Eau Claire. But, you know, obviously there were some connections, but, you know, we didn't really know each other that well. Um, just, you know, had a lot of connections where we've crossed paths together. So that whole drive to Indianapolis uh, to, to watch uh, Wisconsin take uh, Duke, I believe it was, in the semifinal game, and the whole drive back, you know, my wheels were going there, and, and then that process started going uh, what would have been the spring of 2015 and went through that process. Um, you know, and there was some common connections along the way. Um, you know, the former athletic director that you know, I interviewed under in 2012 and who hired Matt Staverling at UW-Superior to, you know, there was some, some player crossover that, you know, whether it was players I recruited here or that I played with at UW-Superior that went on to play with Matt, there was some c- common connections there, uh, which I, you know, I think ultimately all led, uh, you know, in some ways uh, was a part of the process to, to, to get to UW-Eau Claire uh, what would have been that spring, summer of 2015, and and that was that was a great experience. It was it was great to work under Matt, and it was an amazing two years, and uh, really took a lot away from that uh, during that time. And, and and right now, as I talk to you right now, and I know I will definitely moving forward as well. And then then there's one last final twist to all this, and how you get back to Superior, and we'll talk about your team in a moment, but. Is you're ready from from what I have been told from from several sources, you're ready to basically Everhart's t- uh, stepped aside. It appears in, in what the states can do, uh, Wisconsin state schools can do, and basically make a, a quick hire uh, on an interim basis. It appears you're headed back to Superior. You're going to take over for Everhart, and from what I am told, all of a sudden Lacrosse has an opening, and Lacrosse calls you, and it sounds like on your table are two offers, and you now have to debate, ironically enough, whether you go back home and, and go to a school that, that you'd already tried to get the job for once or go to another Wisconsin school and be at lacrosse. 
just in the general sense, it's fascinating that yet again in your process, there's these twists and turns before you ultimately end up as we speak at Superior. Yeah, you got you got all the info there, Dave. You got the inside scoop there. So, um, yeah, you know, and, and even even kind of taking a step back, even from that, you know, like I had said, we had just gotten done with two great years. Uh, UW Eau Claire were preparing to go into, you know, we're, we're very optimistic and excited for a third, and and we were actually at a staff meeting, and and uh, you know was was. The information was brought to me about UW Superior, and you know immediately again, same process as five years ago before that, 2012. Immediately excited, and you know the wheels start going about what could be, and and you know really you know thinking, okay, this is my chance and opportunity, and uh, you know really to be very honest with you, my my mind really never went anywhere else but but UW Superior, and you know like you said, there was a coaching opening. Um, at UW Lacrosse, uh, yeah, I was not offered that position. Um, you know, like you have the the inside scoop there. I was there was contact made about you know my interest level from them. Sure, okay. In, in that position, um, as far as you know, if I would want to pursue that, um, and and like I said, my my head was was nowhere else but UW Superior. I know this is a great fit for me. Uh, love it here. Um, and obviously Lacrosse got a great hire uh, in Kent Dernbach as well. Yeah. So for, for me, it was um, as much of a great university as Lacrosse is too. It, for me, it was a, a no-brainer that I, I know where I wanted to be. And didn't make for an interesting uh, 48 hours or, yeah. or whatnot because you, you know, you work your whole life uh, or working life, uh, you know, for your goal is to be in a position like this. And then in the matter of a few days, you have what really is your dream job, uh, you know, in UW Superior come about. It's my dream job. Um, and then and then you have another, you know, kind of curveball thrown in there, uh, you know, with the potential to, to be involved at another, you know, UW system school. Uh, but like I said, it, you know, I knew where my head was, uh, you know, right from the second that, that these opportunities came about. Oh, that's good. Cool that you end up back at your at your alma mater. We should point out, by the way, you're married to a, a former superior player as well. You're, you truly are heading back home. They've made this a family affair. You are interim tag. Um, I know how this process works. Technically, that's how the states have to do to get a quick hire in. They have to technically open up the job next summer. But do you, by all intensive purposes, expect that this is the, the job for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, like you said, there is a process, and, and through the UW system, there is a process, and I and I understand that. Uh, and don't take that process for granted uh, one bit. Uh, you know, I, you know, kind of like I've told people all along. You know, I wouldn't have left uh, the situation. You know, I was in if if you know one, it is a dream job for me. But two, if I didn't have the you know, the utmost certainty that this is where I want it to be long-term. You know, we've just talked about the moves that, you know, I've made uh, over really over the last, you know, nine years. Um, and my, my wife uh, has been along for all those moves and, mm -hmm. and our two sons. And, um, you know, as you know, in the coaching world, that's not, not always the easiest thing. So for us to come back home, and, it, and it's as much home for her as it is me, if, if not even, uh, you know, more so uh, with her having some family, uh, you know, her family close by. Um, it's, it's something that, yeah, want to be here long term, uh, you know, as we're building it. Um, you know, I approach it as, you know, making an immediate impact and, and wanting to build it right away. But, you know, I don't take for granted for the process uh, of, 
of securing the job long term, but also my daily actions uh, um, on a daily basis are still uh, correlate to building it for the long term, and, and that's ultimately my plan uh, is is to be here long term. And you know, I feel that uh, you know everybody's on the same page there. So let's talk about the team real quick before we let you go. Um, you have two of your top three scorers coming back. Um, one's a senior in Shaq Coleman. Um, the, uh, the other is uh, Montroy Scott. Uh, actually, yep, Montroy Scott uh, is returning as well. Um, he's a junior. You have a whole wealth of juniors on this team. Next yep. year is going to be a ton, including from Zurich, Sweden, uh, or Switzerland, and went to, to high school in Zer Serbia. I'm not sure oh. how Vid even found Wisconsin, but that's a whole other conversation. You also have Australia on this team. You have Romania on this team. There's a whole interesting dynamic here going on at Superior. But tell us about this team. What do you expect from them? Interesting enough, we're in the UMAC. I'll ask that in a follow-up. But can this team take the next evolutionary step? We talked about at the beginning how this team has struggled over the last few years to really be in the conversation. Where is this team going, and, and where do you hope to take it? Yeah, where, where are we going right now? You know, I do think you kind of touched on it a little bit. We do return some experience uh, with Shaq Coleman, uh, with Montreux Scott. We return another uh, another returning starter in Nate Queen, who is a four-year player, a senior that, that brings that experience. Um, you know, Veed uh, from Switzerland, who you mentioned, uh, was actually here two years ago, uh, had an injury, uh, returned now. Um, so there is some experience that does return. Um, you know, I, I'm aware and they're aware, you know, where, 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 where we're picking up at and, we, you know, where we ended last season at. And, but but I, 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 I've been very, uh, I don't want to say surprised by any means, but very pleased with the experience that's been brought to the table over the last, uh, would it be, 20 practices now and that we've been able to grow fast and that there is some maturity there, um, you know, there is some game experience, and I think, um, you know, that, that's going to play out well for us, I think, over the season. Uh, we, we play a very challenging schedule uh, November and December with, uh, you know, five WIAC schools, uh, two MIAC schools, um, and I, but I, I know our guys are hungry and, and ready to get after it right away, uh, and then that rolls us basically right into the UMAC schedule uh, where, you know, the conference preview, I think, for the UMAC will be out later this week. Um, you know, I'm very optimistic and, and very excited with what we can do this year, um, and I don't want it to sound too much like coach coach speak, but we are truly growing day by day. And I, I do know over the last 20 practices, we have grown. We've gotten better each day. Um, the guys are locked in. They're hungry. Um, so for me, that's all we can ask for right now. But I, I do feel very optimistic where we can be. And I think, uh, you know, if, if you check in and, and follow us and see where we're at in January and February, I, I do feel that, you know, we have the potential to definitely be playing well at the right time of the year. And, and where are the programs going? You know, obviously the job at hand is, is this season, and, and that's my job right now. But like I had said earlier, you know, we're, 
we're, our daily actions and what we're doing, uh, you know, are, are in preparation for the future as well. And, and the goal here at UW-Superior, to be very, very direct and honest, is to win a conference championship, uh, to win a conference tournament championship, and get in the NCAA tournament. And that's, that's where the goal is. And, you know, that's a big goal, but I have no doubt that that can be achieved here and that, that we're taking the steps uh, early on to get there. And that's, that's exactly where we want to be and nothing short of it. And, you know, how long that takes, uh, you know, we're going to find out. Hopefully we'd like to do that sooner than later. Uh, but, th- but that's definitely the goal and where we want to be, no doubt. And one final question on this all is we've had a fascinating conversation with you. What's it like for you now, though, to be coaching against UMAC teams you know, jumping out, Superior did a couple of years ago from the WIAC into the, in the UMAC for a lot of you know reasons that I think make total sense. But for but for you, it's a little different, is it not? No, it is. You know, I, I've you know been in Division Three basketball uh, now for you know a while, both as a player and as an assistant. And you know, I and followed it even you know when I was had the stint of being a head high school coach. And a lot of my experience was with the WIAC and playing games against MIAC schools. And we were in the Midwest Conference. We played CCIW schools. We played NAC Conference schools. We played SLEAC and IAC. And they're really you know, it wasn't a ton of crossover to the UMAC with, with me actually having game experience that way. Now, still following it, you know, throughout that time, um, you know, I've been watching film and, and all that good stuff. Um, I think the conference is only getting stronger, no doubt about it. I think it's turned into a strong conference. You know, Northwestern has, uh, you know, had a lot of uh, success in the, in, the, in the recent past here. Sklaska's had strong programs. Minnesota Morris has been, uh, has had strong programs. Northland has made huge steps and bounce forward uh, over the last few years. Uh, Bethany Lutheran, I know, is going to have a very strong program. You know, and with that being said, you know, I have played, uh, as, I, as I think back about it more, too, we, we have played Crown, we have played North Central, so there is some experience there, but I'm definitely learning about it fast, but I, I do think it's a very uh, up-and-coming conference and is really turning into a strong conference, or, or is a is, is has a lot of strong candidates within it, no doubt, that, that can play across the, the regional scene for sure. Well, I could talk to you forever. As anybody who's been paying attention to these podcasts understand, this this one went a little into overtime, and it's been a thrill to chat with you to learn the twists and turns of your process and really the twists and turns, I think, for Superior's team as you guys move ahead. Uh, I, I, and I hope the UMAC uh, gets a little stronger as well. As you've pointed out, the teams like Northwestern and others have certainly made their statements in the NCAA tournament and maybe proven the conference is a little bit better than many appreciate it as. I certainly hope Superior is in the mix. And hopefully we, we see the removal of the interim tag next season. I, I never bet on anything. Uh, it is the NCAA. We're not allowed. Um, and to that point, though, I appreciate you taking the time to join me. And good luck this season. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, well, I just want to say thanks, Dave, for having me on. And, uh, um, you know, we're, we're all excited here for the season. Uh, I know both, you know, our team, our athletic department, our university, the community, uh, you know, we look forward to uh, – uh, you know, building the program and, and, you know, like I said before, getting better every day and, and having the best season we can and, and again, continuing that on in the future. Uh, but, you know, I want to thank you, too, for everything you do for our Division Three basketball. Uh, I think it's, again, just, you know, keeps getting better and better every single year and the coverage of it. And I uh, want to thank you for, for all you do, too. Well, thank you. Appreciate the kind words. Good luck this season. And, and again, welcome back to your alma mater. Uh, it, it takes a unique person, I think, to coach at the at Superior. It's such a, a forlorn place up in the northern part of Wisconsin, but I think they they found a pretty good selection in an, in an alum as yourself. 
Uh, thank you, Dave, and thanks for the kind words as well. Absolutely. Take care and good luck this season. Thank you, Dave. Absolutely. Greg Polkowski. <laughs> I, I can say it. Trust me, Greg Polkowski. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline talking about the return, as it were, uh, to Superior. Once again, thanks to Greg Polkowski for joining us on the show, talking about Wisconsin Superior men's basketball. Lots of twists and turns for Greg, and again, up for this job just a few years ago before getting the job as an assistant at Eau Claire under the coach who had left Superior. So the twists and turns continue for Greg. I suspect this is all a formality. The interim tag will be removed in the offseason. They will still go through an official process, but he'll get the job for perpetuity. Can't imagine that changing. Nice to see him back home. And honestly, you need to find the right coach at Superior to do this, where it's located and stuff. The fact that that's his alma mater, the fact it's really in his home area, including his wife's, makes this a great choice for Superior. And I think they're going to succeed under that. It'd be nice to see the men's program up where the women's program is in the UMAC, especially now that the Superior is fully settled in the UMAC. I think Greg can do that. I think the UMAC is one that Superior can get into the mix with somewhat easily in comparison to where they were in the WIAC. That's not a knock on the UMAC. The UMAC, I think, is becoming more competitive. We talk about more teams in that conference. There are certainly good players in that conference. I just think that where Superior is situated, it's easier to get into the UMAC race than it would have been getting back into the WIAC race because the WIAC is, we all know, one of the top five conferences in the country. It just makes it harder. So we'll look forward to seeing how that works. And of course, on the women's side, Superior also went through a coaching change. They lost their longtime head coach, Don Mulhern. He went over to St. Catherine. We thought about getting him on one of these preseason podcasts, but we figured we were going to be talking about the same school a little bit too much. And I'm quite sure we'll get Coach Mulhern on a future Hoopsville this season, if not in the early part of the season, to talk about the reasons to move to St. Catherine and what he thinks he can do with that program. move on to our next guest it's pete moran who takes over the john carroll job of course his father mike moran had been the head coach for 25 years he played under his father but pete also has his own unique story about where he's been where he's gone that he talks a lot about what happened between high school and college and eventually playing for his father what does that mean for pete what is this whole story and what does he expect of the season he joined us to talk about it now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach for John Carroll. Similar last name, different person. Pete Moran takes over for his father, and he joins us now. Uh, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate you having me. i am uh, got a lot of respect for what you do, and I've been a lifelong fan uh, you know, of you and uh, the podcast and Hoopsville, D3Hoops.com. Well, thank you. appreciate the kind words. Um, we, we certainly have been a fan of John Carroll basketball. It's usually been in the national conversation for many of the years that we've been covering Division Three. A few years of a lull, but came roaring back in the end. And then your dad decided, you know, it was time to hang up the, hang up the whistle. And he didn't look very far to try and encourage the next coach to be yourself. Um, are you excited to have gotten this opportunity? And were there any questions on whether you would get this opportunity? You know, Dave, I, I, I'm, I'm beyond excited. You know, 
all the good that's ever come out of my life has been related to John Carroll, my experience at John Carroll. I met my wife. I, I got to play for my father. I played with my younger brother, Matt. Uh, you know, we went to Final Four one year. We had some you know, tremendous amount of success in our conference play. This is in the early 2000s. And, uh, you know, everything kind of, you know, worked its way, you know, worked its way out for me and, uh, you know, my family. So to, to say I'm excited is uh, an understatement. Uh, it's a dream come true. I think, you know, everybody growing up, you know, has a career goal or something they want to do. And growing up in the Division Three household, you know, I, I always kind of had an inkling that, you know, taking over from my father would be a, a dream come true. And I'm just really excited for the opportunity. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of uh, families have let's say, family businesses that the son or daughter will take over for, from their parents. In some senses, this is the family business. Your dad was the head well, coach well, at John well, Carroll for 25 years. Dave, I wish it was a multi-million dollar business I'm yeah, taking agreed. over. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different, is it not? A little different. <laughs> yeah, not nearly as lucrative uh, at all. Um, in, in some ways, I gather in the last five years, you've got more and more responsibilities, which is obviously per normal. Um, but a lot of speculation last year was that your dad really kind of turned things over to you even last year to kind of get you ready. Is that true? Or if it is and isn't, how did your dad kind of get you ready for taking over the realm? Well, you know, Dave, it really starts from early childhood. I mean, my father and I, uh, my father used to have a striping business and, uh, you know, he used to be a Catholic uh, high school teacher and, you know, to, to make up for, you know, the income that Catholic schools used to pay or kind of still pay uh we had a striping business and and i knew her at early age we'd get up at 4 30 morning and go pink parking lots that you know I, I i always knew that to stay two half two steps ahead of my father and uh you know having played for him my dad and i we had a tremendous relationship uh you know on the court you know he never had to tell me if i did something wrong you know working with my father and playing for my father i i, I always I always wanted to beat him to the punch. I knew if I did something poorly or if I didn't execute a play, uh, you know, well enough, he really didn't have to criticize me. I think we were always on the same page. And over the last couple of years, he's kind of, uh, you know, passed added responsibilities on to me, uh, you know, with the hopes that, uh, you know, when he stepped down, uh, you know, the process was going to go in my direction. So he gave me a lot of freedom. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm grateful to have him. Uh, you know, obviously as a father, but also a mentor, someone I can look up to. We should point out your your path was a little bit different, um, one that I certainly can understand in the sense of uh, college wasn't necessarily a priority, but eventually you decided to make your way there. Very good for the Blue Streaks uh, as you helped them get eventually to a, a Final Four. Um, but for the most part, basketball has been your life except for a few years. But it has been a road less traveled, as it were. Yeah, you know, out of high school, I'm very open about it. I, I, I struggled in classroom, man. I don't. I think it's more of a motivation. Uh, I, I didn't take the education as serious as as I should have. And after graduating high school, I I, uh, I did not get accepted into John Carroll. Uh, so I went to community college for a year and realized, uh, you know, maybe I should try out the workforce. So I got a job at a bank and, you know, worked there for several years. And then, uh, you know, my father asked me one day, he said, you want to give it another shot? So uh, I had to take a few classes at a community college, and I got accepted to John Carroll on a part-time basis. And, uh, you know, from there, everything just kind of, uh, you know, I guess my, my life, you know, changed drastically for the better. I met my wife, like I mentioned, at John Carroll. My closest friends are John Carroll grads. Uh, playing for my father, playing with my brother, 
you know, the, the, the family support, uh, like I mentioned, all the good that has ever come out of my life goes back to John Carroll University. Yeah, of course, ran into a juggernaut named Stevens Point in the Final Four oh. <laughs> uh, when oh. you guys got there. That was the heyday of those back-to-back championships for them. No, they were they they were phenomenal. You know, we had actually played Cleveland State earlier in the year, and uh, nothing to take away from Cleveland State, their Division One program here in Cleveland. But you know, I thought Stevens Point, uh, you know, would give them a heck of a game. That's uh, you know, that's what uh, the Bennett kid and yep. uh, you know they had an excellent group of guys and. Uh, they're a little bit too big for us. They sat in a zone, and you know we couldn't make a perimeter shot. But well, what a team they had! <laughs> yeah, no, I say that about Division Three all the time. There's more teams in this division that could play with the D1s than people give us credit for. Um, mm-hmm. So it's nice to hear that point of view. You're now moving forward to take over. Um, it's your program, as it were. Obviously, you're familiar with the, the players. Uh, unlike a lot of the coaches we've been talking to on these podcasts uh, in preseason, you're familiar with who's there. You're familiar with what they've got. You're familiar with the the recruiting since you're basically taking over from being one seat down. But what mm. do you expect now? It, or should we expect the similarities that we've gotten used to under the Moran coaching regime? Or are, do you have your own ideas you're, you're going to instill that we're going to see some changes? Well, well, the million-dollar question is, you know, are we going to continue the – the platooning system, yeah. and that's playing five guys, five, five in, five out. And uh, you know, let me say this. If Shaquille O'Neal comes walking through my door right now, <laughs> you better believe we're going to change the system. Yeah, up. yeah sure. Uh, <laughs> you know what? It, it, it's been successful. I played in it, coached in it. Um, you know, we're going to pressure. There's no secret behind it. We're going to pressure, uh, you know, defensively in the full court, and we're going to put pressure on teams, you know, defensively against us. Uh, you know, I... I I think, you know what, when people come in and see us play or watch us on film, they're going to see a lot of similarities. But, you know, I think some of the preparation involved, the practice techniques, uh, you know, various things that we do uh, off the court are, 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 are drastically different than my father, uh, you know, has done. But, uh, like I said, you know what, the, when my father got the job 25 years ago, he wanted to, you know, his line was, you know, my goal is to wake the sleeping giant. And, uh, you know, I, I think this regime – uh, with with some of the fellow coaches I have, you know, we're just trying to give that giant a uh, shot of B12, and uh, you know we're trying to take the program to either uh, you know even higher heights uh, than we've exceeded. I think you know what it, it's so Division Three has changed drastically in regards to the recruiting aspect. Uh, you know these guys uh, in our conference they do a heck of a job. They're they're willing to travel into our backyards. You know that's a Greater Cleveland area where we predominantly, you know, have a good you know following of kids. But I think we're going to extend our our search for uh, for potential recruits. Um, but it, it's such a it's such a grind in our conference. And you know I, I know you know you talk to Coach Vanderwall and and Coach Goodwin, the, the, the legends of our conference, Coach Fuline, and and those guys will tell you it's so competitive. It's a chess match. You know each and every game. And you know I think uh, you know in our conference. You know, because it's so competitive, because you know, guys spend so much time on preparation that you know we have upsets. We have a lot of teams that uh, you know they, they lose close games, and you know it comes down to just the preparation aspect of it. Uh, you guys picked by the coaches for what it's worth in the preseason to finish third, though a slight point behind uh, Baldwin Wallace, so almost a virtual tie for second. But you mm-hmm. did lose six seniors. Um, this mm-hmm. does feel, for lack of a better term, a retooling or rebuilding kind of scenario. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's, it's what you guys are doing for, 
for sure. You're out of conference schedule. At least looks like it's a good confidence building one. You have a big game against Hope in late December. Besides conference play, do you ex- should we expect a lot from the Blue Streaks? Are they going to? Su- are you? Do you think we can? This is a team that can surprise some teams outside of conference play. Obviously, we don't know what to expect in conference, as you kind of alluded to, but. Is this a team that maybe people don't fully appreciate how good they just may be? Well, you know, the, the beautiful thing about our, our, our style of play and, and, and playing 10, 11, 12 guys each night, uh, yeah, we, we lost six seniors, but we also have, you know, four seniors coming back that have been part of two uh, NCAA tournament teams, uh, individuals that have played at a high level, uh, you know, individuals that I'm going to be honest, I'm extremely confident in. Uh, you know, we have some younger guys that came in. I'm very excited about our freshman class and our sophomore class. We have a few guys uh, that did not play last year due to knee injuries. So, you know, I'm anxious to see them, just trying to get them back in their form. And, you know, the addition of uh, um, our starting two-man, his twin brother, he transferred from Gannon, uh, St. Ignatius kid, Jimmy Berger. Uh, he's all-conference uh, over at Gannon Division Two. He's a special talent, and, you know, we're excited to see what he can bring and. Uh, some of the, the, the younger guys are, we're pretty excited about, but you know, our heart and soul is our seniors, uh, Tony Vianchik, John Cirillo, Brian Papich, guys that have been through the trenches and know what it takes to win, you know what, and win at a high level. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you know, they've done a great job in the preseason of, of setting the precedent of what it takes to win at this level. So you know what, I, 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 I hope we surprise some people, but at the end of the day, I think head coaches are always their worst critics. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, you call me. I just watched a little bit of film from yesterday's practice, and I'm not too happy with our performance. So we're we're always trying to get better. But like I said, I'm excited. We're going to be a fun group to watch. We're going to get up and down the floor. And you know what? I I like to think we play hard. So you know, at the end of the day, if you make more shots than the other team, you're going to be in a situation to win a lot of basketball games. That is very true. Obviously, the platoon system that we've alluded to, not to be confused with the the system, as it were. Same idea in subs, but not the same idea in execution. Um, what is what is maybe the most important thing or couple of things that you learned from your father, whether it was as a player uh, and learning the dynamics between coach and player, or it was as an assistant coach, understanding the flip side of that? It, it, it's preparation. I mean, yeah, 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 I always thought my dad had this uh, incredible ability to get kids to play hard. And, uh, you know, we've been asked over the years from high school coaches, how do you get kids to play hard? You know, I, I think kids... It's not necessarily your tone of voice or making them run or yelling at them. It's really they, these kids are smart. You know, mm-hmm. we deal with you know very educated you know young men at, at John Kill University, individuals that are here for the education. So they pick up on things fairly quickly, and I, I think they see the amount of work that the coaches put in in field preparation, practice planning, scouting. And you know what? You know, you look at it, and, and the kid sees that. You know, our coaching staff, you know, put five, six hours in the film work. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts to, it starts to, 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 you know, a little trigger goes off in their head that, you know, this coach, he cares about us. You know, he sees the preparation, or we see the preparation they put forth. So, you know, they're more inclined to put forth a little bit more effort. Um, you know, it's preparation. I, you know, what I've, I've dealt with the offense, our offense for the last five years, and, you know, going against various teams in our conference and, and seeing how dissected they defend us and how much time they put into it, it kind of fuels my fire a little bit to, to put in that extra hour or two each night 
on uh, you know preparing us for uh, you know not only practices but preparing us for games. Well, it's great to chat with you. Looking forward to seeing how John Carroll does, especially in conference. Uh, Marietta, obviously, after a tremendous year last year, back in the mix. Baldwin Wallace, certainly a conversation starter and the rest. So we'll look forward to seeing how things get started. And I appreciate you taking some time to join us. Uh, and congratulations, most importantly, on, on getting the opportunity to take over for your father. I did notice, by the way, you brought your brother on board as an assistant. Yes, he's, uh, he's been a high school coach for <laughs> Ooh, about 17 years, and uh, he's kind of handling a lot of the offense now. He's uh, he's a lot like my father. He's a film junkie. He's just in here uh, on a day off, and uh, he puts a lot of work and time uh, and effort into it. And uh, I'm extremely excited to have him on board. It's uh, it's one less stress, you know, one less stressor I have to deal with. I'm just going to pencil Pat in as the next head coach at John Carroll, just <laughs> just in case anybody's curious. Either that, or once uh, once your sons of age, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, well, once your sons of age, maybe I'll just replace. It's kind of like the royal family. It depends on the on the timing and who's the heir of the throne, as it were. But uh, I'm, I'm just trying to get my son to son uh, to be potty trained. Yeah, so I, we're not even looking at the basketball. Like right I now. said, we're waiting. There's there's a certain point of of age before we'll pencil him in. But uh, congratulations. Congratulations on the last. Obviously, John Carroll making uh, a choice that, that suits them best and suits you best, certainly. We congratulate you on that. As always, we give the coach the final word, though. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Dave, you know what? No, I just shout out to you. I think you do an excellent job. And, uh, you know, I've grown up the last 10, 12 years, you know, listening to your podcast and following me on D3Hoops.com. Uh, I'm a D3 junkie like yourself. And, uh, you know, I don't think you get the credit you deserve, but thank you for for all your support and everything you do for Division Three basketball. Well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Good luck this season. We'll look forward to watching the team play, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you somewhere down the road on the show. Thank you. That is Pete Moran from John Carroll joining us, taking over for his father, Mike Moran, with Pat Moran on board the staff as well. Thanks again to Pete Moran for joining us. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens to John Carroll. Again, some new bodies, some newness to the team, of course, with coaching as well. I think they were picked to finish third in the conference. Marietta picked to finish on top. But the OAC's always been a bit topsy-turvy, so who knows what to expect. I'll be fascinated to see what Pete can do with his program. It's certainly a great story. Loved hearing uh, his kind of evolution, as it were. And as we mentioned, he has his brother on his coaching staff. So keeping it in the family, as it were. Keeping it in the family. So congratulations to Pete on that. Let's switch genders. We'll head out to the great Northwest and to Puget Sound, who lost their head coach, Lori Payne, in the offseason to a D1 job. She also ended up taking a player with her. Casey Kushiyama takes over for her. He was the assistant coach at Whitworth last season. What does this all mean for him? He's taking over a program that certainly has had a lot of success, but may have lost a little bit more than just a coach in the offseason. At the same time, he's got a lot of experience, not only having been a player in men's basketball in the Northwest, but having been a men's assistant and a women's assistant and now a women's head coach. I think Coach Casey Kushiyama is certainly excited about the job, but you'll find out from him. Now join me on the Hoopsville Hotline, the new head coach for Puget Sound Women's Basketball. It is Casey Kushiyama joining me. And Coach, thanks for taking the time. 
Thank you, Dave. I pre- really appreciate all the work that you do with uh, promoting D3 uh, women's basketball, especially. And, um, you know, just thankful to be here. Well, thank you for the kind words, and, and thank you for taking the time, as I said. Um, we should point out, for anybody who's not familiar with who you are and maybe the name itself, you have been synonymous in some degree, and I really should mean involved in Northwest uh, basketball, basically since you were a player. You have either mm-hmm. been or a player or a assistant coach at a handful of Northwest schools. Um, this is kind of your bread and butter to some degree. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you just said, I mean, I've been in the conference since 2000 as a player or coach. So um, definitely uh, ingrained in, uh, in the conference and everything that we're doing, um, you know, not just my team that I'm always with, but um, always happy when uh, the Northwest is uh, doing well. It, you uh, then moved on to being a, a men's assistant at your alma mater before then joining Whitworth. Great choice there uh, <laughs> when you guys uh, ended up being pretty highly nationally ranked at that time and making mm-hmm. yet another Northwest, or I should say another NCAA tournament run. And then at some point you made the transition to women's basketball. I'm very curious before we get into everything about now, but kind of looking back, where, where was the transition and, and why that transition? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I really had no intentions of, you know, actually when I first started coaching, I had really no intentions of getting into it, um, you know, but it was just kind of something that uh, I was in the area and my uh, my head coach at the time had asked me to to get into it, um, you know, and then when I, when I left to Whitworth, it was primarily for the, the purposes of getting my master's degree in education because, I was really getting uh, looking forward to getting into teaching and becoming a teacher, and so when I kind of did that, um, my uh, my wife now, uh, fiance at the time, um, is from Oregon, and so we just moved back into Oregon, and when the uh, vacancy of um, Linfield's uh, women's basketball position opened up, and so while I was in town, uh, the athletic director at the time, Scott Carnahan, um, we met. He offered me the job a week before school, and um, it's kind of been just everything's just kind of falling into place since then. Um, you know, just you know, being in the right spot at the right time, and um, you know, I was just fortunate enough uh, to be offered that position, and it's kind of made history for me since then. It's kind of just been in basketball on the women's side of the things uh, ever since that time. And certainly plenty of experience. You talk about how you got into it, um, but you you had experience at Whitman recently um, and, and certainly know the conference well. Um, this seems like almost a no-brainer to some extent to follow the success that Lori Payne had ahead of you to bring in somebody who knows a conference, knows the region, and certainly knows the, the sport as well as you do. Do you feel that comfortable walking in as it seems on paper? Uh, you know, I, I I think part of me is always going to be hesitant. Um, I, I do feel confident in, obviously, I've been in the conference for a long time, and I've been so fortunate to have unbelievable mentors to, to nurture me, develop me, uh, and learn the game from, you know, and so... Um, you know, I, I think there's always going to be a little bit of hesitancy, you know, with, with stepping into something new, but... You know, I can always fall back on the teachings that I've had from each of the coaches that I've coached under and know that, you know, 
there's nothing wrong with feeling confident um, in their in their the knowledge that they've given to me. So um, to answer your question, yes, I, I think there is a little bit of hesitancy on my part, but um, I think that, that that's only going to keep me humble, you know, and, and never get too big for my britches and um, just know that, yeah, again, I, I've had great mentors. I've just been so unbelievably fortunate to learn from all of these great coaches. And I mean, every single one of them has been a coach of the year, mm-hmm. um, has made it to the national tournament and just been able to develop me not only as a, as a coach, but as a, as a developer of people. I think that's been um, a, a big part of what we've focused on in our program right now. You know, obviously the, the team is learning a brand new system, um, but you know, we've just been kind of developing our own culture here right now, um, and that's something that I know is going to you know keep us moving forward throughout the season. Of course, you know this Puget Sound team well. Played them uh, your Whitman squad <laughs> played them twice in the last three games of the season. Um, yeah. Both times wins, yeah. though the last one a nail biter uh, to advance mm-hmm. on to the to round of sixteen in the NCAA tournament. Of course, there two of their three losses <laughs> at Whitman on the yeah. title, uh, and of course they gave you a loss later last season. So you certainly knew this program, and Lori had done 130 wins since 2010 when she took over. Kind of had made the the Northwest Conference more than than just a one, you know, team league or even a two team mm-hmm. league. It really became a three team league in the way things were fought out. George Fox, Whitman, your uh, Puget Sound, and even others who got into the fray. Do you feel any expectations that to keep that going? Do the I, I know the players want to keep that going, but is there any expectations outside of that that Puget Sound's got kind of been put in a really good spot here, twenty six and three last season? We want to continue this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but the, again, those expectations are. I think the players all have those are want to be successful. And I think, you know, as far as the national ranking, that has nothing to do with what we do on an everyday basis. We don't come to practice saying, hey, you know, we're a top 25 team. Um, you know, we just kind of focus on what we're doing every day, you know, and the, and everything will kind of fall into place and take care of itself. Um, our conference has been unbelievably strong. And, and kind of like you just said, you know, with Whitman, Fox, uh, ourselves, uh, I think Lewis and Clark had a great year last year. And, and even prior to that, you know, when Julie Folks was there, they were a top 10 team. Um, you know, and like you were saying earlier, yeah, we had a, you know, we had a four, we played against each other four times last year against Whitman. Um, so I understand the rivalry that I'm stepping into. Um, and even prior to this season, I, I think the last three matchups that we had, you know, so last 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 season and then the year before that they were all overtime games so um i I just love the northwest basketball right now for women's basketball i think it's unbelievably strong and you know i I think the the out of conference records for even the teams that aren't even making the playoffs in our league um goes to show like how strong our 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 league really is you know and so i think their overall records for the teams that are five through nine aren't necessarily great but you know when you look at their preseason records they're beating everybody that's outside of our conference so uh again i just think it's the strength of our conference that's that's great and it's a great environment for our kids to play in um 
And yeah, like I, said, I, I just think it's a it's a very very strong league, and I expect it to be very strong and deep again this year. What do we expect of this squad? You know, looking over things, not to get too much in the minutiae because it is preseason. We haven't seen this team hit the floor. You haven't really seen them in 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 what they call uh, in real competition. Uh, it's been mm-hmm. scrimmages and practices. But, you know, you look at last year's squad uh, statistics and you look at this year's roster. Simone Jackson, the leading scorer, appears to not be back. But Jamie Lang is mm-hmm. back. Elizabeth Pruitt is back. You lost Alexis Noren. They were your four top scorers in double mm-hmm. digits last year. Alex Noren, or correction, uh, Caitlin Melvar uh, appears to not be back. But Drew Clark is. What, what do we expect? There, there seems, obviously, as a coaching change, that can happen. We seem to have a little bit of transition here. Is this team still as deep as it was? Do you still have those top scores, or are we going to see maybe a different loggers unit on the floor? Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be different. Um, but you know, like you just said, though, we do have uh, Elizabeth Pruitt and Jamie Lang back. Um, you know, and Jamie is still going to be transitioning from uh, her soccer season just ended, right. and uh, man, she had an unbelievable uh, year. So. Um, you know, I, I, so I won't have her back for a couple of weeks. Um, and so again, it, it will be a little bit different. And, you know, especially when we, we have to practice without, um, you know, such an integral part of our, of our team. Um, you know, so I, it, we will be a different team, but there, again, there's just going to be other kids that are going to step up and, um, you know, there's a lot of kids that that were on the team last year that when I was at Whitman, I had recruited. And, you know, these are definitely kids that I've known for a while and that really, really talented kids that just now need an opportunity because they're playing, like you just said, behind a lot of all-conference players. Um you know, but again, we're we're not focused too much on what's going to happen. You know, a month from now, we're we're really just focused on practicing hard today, um, getting ready for our scrimmage tomorrow. But we're just focused on the now, and we'll let everything else kind of take care of itself. Yeah, Jamie Lang, uh, soccer stats uh, are pretty impressive. I can appreciate it as a former goalie, zero point five seven goal against with a ninety percent goal saving or uh, save percentage. Not too bad. Mm-hmm. And obviously, needs yeah. a little bit of time to recover from that and, and get ready for yeah. basketball season. So, what are your uh, hopes and dreams, maybe for this program? You kind of mentioned it's going to be a a tough battle in the conference, as it always is. George Fox is going to be good. Whitman's going to be good. There's no surprises mm-hmm. here, but you know, it, it's tough up in that northwest corner to be recognized, yep. and it's tough sometimes to get the NCAA to keep you all from playing each other in the opening yeah. <laughs> weekend. So what 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 do your hopes and dreams uh, give you here in what is a, a, a seemingly very tough and invincible area? Yeah, uh, we still expect to compete within our conference, and we still um, – I, I think for us, you know, as this is my first year and a lot of these kids are getting used to uh, playing under me, I think, you know, as we just, again, just want to make sure that we're improving every day because by the time the end of the season happens, um, as long as we're in the mix, making it into the playoffs, and we can compete – during the end of our season, I, I think that's going to be the most important part. I think we'll, I or I hope anyway, that we have three teams that get in once again. I, I, I really think our conference is that strong and that deep, um, you know, and 
who knows what what happens once we get into the playoffs i think anything can happen in this league um you know i've seen the number 3 seed in our conference win the conference tournament uh a n- number of times in the last few seasons that i've been in- involved in in the conference so um you know again, I-, I think just as long as we're making it into the playoffs this year and then um just kind of peaking at the right time i think that would be my expectations for this squad michelle friends even talking to you yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, Michelle and I, we, we've had the last five years together, you know, so, um, you know, I, I think every coach that I've, um, that I've coached under, I think, you know, we'll always have a lifelong relationship and, um, you know, I, I, I appreciate so much that Michelle has done for me over the last few years and, um, you know, uh, I could never thank her enough. I couldn't thank any of the coaches that I've coached under to kind of get to where I am right now. Well, uh, congratulations on the job. Certainly going to be fascinating to see your transition with that program and them transition themselves. And, of course, the, the race atop the Northwest Conference. We should point out uh, we won't get a lot of Division Three previews in the early part of the season. You're playing a few non-Division Threes, but Claremont Mud Scripps is on there before you, mm-hmm. of course, play Whitworth and Whitman to start things off the first week of yeah. December. Uh, and then we'll get a few other tastes, uh, including a good one against Trinity, Texas, later in yep. December. Uh, Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, yeah, I just want to thank you again for having me on. You know, it's I, I've watched the, the these shows for for a while from afar, and um, kind of a surreal opportunity for myself to be here. But we always appreciate all the uh, publicity and um, and everything that you do for D three, uh, especially out here in the Northwest. So thanks again for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time, including the time change, as it were. We look forward to chatting with you and and the loggers down the road. Thank you. Appreciate it. Casey Kushiyama joining us here, the new head coach for Puget Sound Loggers, taking over for Lori Payne. Fascinating to see this Northwest Conference race, to be sure. Thanks to Coach Casey Kushiyama for joining us. Northwest race is always going to be fascinating. I think Puget Sound lost a little bit more than people realize. Some of their better players from last season aren't back for a variety of reasons, transfers, injuries, and other things. I highly suspect, though, KC Koshiyami's got a pretty good squad there, and they will be in the conversation once again. And if you ever want to spend some time late on an evening watching some good Division Three basketball and most of the games you think are over, always go and check out if there's any Northwest women's or Northwest men's games going on, especially on the women's side, Puget, Whitworth, George Fox, etc. On the men's side, obviously the number one team in Whitman. Whitworth's in that mix, and others are getting into the mix. They're always fun to catch late in the evening if you have the time. Now let's switch interviews and go back to Wisconsin. We're going to switch to lacrosse here and Kent Dernbach. 
the former assistant and associate head coach at Stevens Point since 2011. Kent got the interim job at lacrosse, much like with a superior job with Polkowski. It's interim. It, it was a what they call an emergency hire in Wisconsin. The job will have to be opened up at the end of the season. We'll talk more about all that means afterward. But what does Kent have on his plate, as it were, with this program? Where has he been? You know, How has he transitioned to getting this job? And what about the elephant in the room? Kent Dernbach joined us to talk about it all. Now joining me on the Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of Wisconsin Lacrosse. It is Kent Dernbach. Coach, uh, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Absolutely. I know we've uh, known each other for quite a while, run into each other. At, it's usually a Final Four, but uh, we've also run into each other at the Hoopsville Classic. It's nice to see you kind of getting a chance to spread the wings a little bit. Yeah, uh, it certainly was something that was unexpected, but... Uh, um, an opportunity that myself and my family are really excited about here at, at UW Lacrosse. Let's quickly go into the history before we get to Lacrosse, and, and it starts with you were a player at Carthage. Many in the CCIW probably remember that. <laughs> then you hops- well, I don't know how I'm not sure how many guys would actually remember <laughs> that day. If I if I make fun, I I was fortunate to be on a really really good team yes. and and be with some good guys, but I I did a little bit more towel waving than anything else. <laughs> well, hey, at least you admit it. I I admit it. I was yep. a student athlete in college, but I was a guy who was on the bench and has six career starts to his name. So I, I get it. <laughs> it. It is what it is. Um, but at the same time, most of those CCIW guys know even the bench players, so I, I give them sure. a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you and I were talking before you went air. I had forgotten you. Then went out to um, Marymount as an assistant at one point in your college kind of career and then you kind of came back to the central part of the country but most people know you now as having been the uh, assistant slash associate head coach at Stevens Point and last year being on the head of the program for 13 games near the end and now you're at lacrosse but what I'm trying to get at is you've kind of had a a nice cornucopia as it were of experiences between now Mm -hmm. and then well like so many high school players and that 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 try a player playing college where basketball really is their passion. That certainly was the case for me. And I didn't really know how that was going to wind up in my career. Um, I went to Ohio state and was really fortunate enough to be a graduate assistant there uh, more on the academic side um, and um, worked some camps and, and randomly kind of ran into um, Eric Conkle one time being home for Christmas and didn't talk to him there. And um, uh, but it just got me uh, where I wanted to reach out to to Eric. He was from Amherst, Wisconsin, now the head coach at Louisiana Tech, and reached out to him. And he said, "Hey, you know, if you really want to get into college coaching, um, you know, you might just want to work summer camps." And he got me connected with uh, Joe Wooten and Morgan Wooten, and I ended up basically living out of my Jeep um, for an entire summer. Um, I think I worked like 10 or 11 basketball camps up and down the East coast wow. coach Wooten basketball camps, the five-star camps up at Robert Morris. Mm-hmm. And even went back to Stevens point and worked a few camps. And, and then from there, um, was able to latch on with, with coach McClary, um, Scott McClary, who was uh, taking over and building the program at Marymount university. And, you know, during that time, Dave, you, uh, just like so many other young coaches, you're trying to find a place that actually can pay your health insurance, right? <laughs> yes. There's there's part time jobs and and sometimes you know ones that have no benefits, and uh, and finally I got that breakthrough with with Coach Larinaga where he um, he stuck out his neck for me and and was and hired me on as his director of operations, you know, at George Mason, and I loved my my time there. And, 
I have such great respect and, and how Coach Larenaga does things the right way, and there's no gray area with him. And, and, and from there, went on um, and just wanted to get back to the Midwest and um, and took an opportunity at Northern Illinois. And during my time there, it was, it was really, really good. I learned a ton from Coach Ricardo Patton, but um, it really cemented my passion for Division Three. Uh, and I was spoiled, right, Dave? You know, following, <laughs> yeah. following the WIAC, right, growing up and how great the WIAC is, and um, and I just had this passion for Division Three. I had a, a phenomenal experience at Carthage, going to a Final Four, being a part of a couple conference championship um, teams, um, and and then then it then it broke through at Stevens Point. So it left, it started with just with a love for the game of basketball, but because of my grown because of my background and following this league. You know, it led to you know really what the foundation of of where I want to be, and that's certainly in Division Three, and and fortunate enough, and to what I believe is in the best league in the country. One of the things I noticed while while watching the sideline is is Bob Semling's always been quote unquote let's say captain. Everyone listens to Bob obviously, and and he's patrolling the sidelines and he's got everybody's attention, et cetera, et cetera. But you look like the the the, the absolute stalwart like lieutenant. You're the guy who actually gets ended up the assignments to to carry out, as it were. Whether it's in timeouts, you're grabbing a hold of the guys' attention for a moment, or you're you're cons- consulting with Bob when 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 necessary. In pregame, you're out there, the one making sure everything is going right. You you really seem to be attention to detail kind of guy, and trusted to make sure things got executed correctly. Because it's not like Stevens Point had that large a bench in terms of assistant coaches. Hmm. Yeah, we um, uh, during my time at point, we were certainly able to get by with less numbers. If that was the coaching staff, um, you know, or a roster in in 2015. I mean, we had really 12 guys, you know, on that roster and um, pretty limited, you know, coaching staff. But you know, sometimes that just means that you um, you just take so much more responsibility, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's no passing the buck to anybody else. Either you're going to get it done or you're not going to get it done. Mm-hmm. And, and Coach Semling um, uh, um, what has been such a great mentor t- to me and and how um, to run a program, certainly at this level, and being able to do it, run it like a scholarship-level program. And and we expect to do the same thing um, at the University of Wisconsin Cross, and there's no reason we won't do that. But it was because of my time, you know, not only with Coach Larenaga, Coach Laren, uh, Mar- uh, McClary at Marymount, and then Coach Patton, Coach Montgomery, at Northern Illinois, though all those experiences, you get a little bit different taste, right, of how a program should be run. Or sometimes you're looking at it like, hey, we do this here, but I would, I would rather do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because of those experiences and then the culmination, like you said, um, with having six years with Coach Semling, certainly just um, it, it allowed me to really um, – believe in what I want to believe in, right? It, it, rather than having a whole bunch of different ideas and which, which are certainly good. And that doesn't mean that I, that I, that I need to change and, and adjust at times, but it certainly has allowed me to, um, to have a set, uh, have a philosophy that I buy into a hundred percent. Well, I'd say that's half of the whole assistant coaching uh, experience is learning what you like in some senses and, and what you want to go on and what you've been able to hone on taking absolutely everything from everybody else. So it's, it's great to hear that from another person like yourself, who's been in the, let's say the trenches for a number of years. Now you're taking over this lacrosse program. 
uh, from Coach Cable, who retired after it was, it was 14 years, I think, with the program. Mm-hmm. What attracted you to the lacrosse job? I mean, I can come up with a bunch of reasons from the from the peripheral, but what for you attracted you to this particular job? Well, I think it's probably the same thing that that, that you thought, Dave. Is it's, you know, for the last eighteen years, you know, we're number three or number four in the entire Midwest. You know, behind Michigan and basically Wisconsin when it comes in in terms of. Um, the best public institutions, you know, in, in the entire Midwest. And that's pretty impressive. You know, when you look at um, colleges and universities across the country who might have to drop their standard to get students in, you know, lacrosse, and we've been able to just maintain our standards. So we have, you know, phenomenal faculty. In addition to that, we have one heck of a tradition, you know, with our athletic programs. Um, and, you know, just as recent as, as this year, you know, football nearly – nearly, you know, turning the corner and, and almost getting an at-large bid, um, you know, finishing at 8-2, and two, and our volleyball and our, our, our women's soccer both going undefeated in the league. I mean, there's a lot of really, really good things going on here, and because of, um, and, and that all stems from how great this university is. And from an outside, you know, from an outsider's perspective, you know, uh, as I was at Stevens Point, I thought, you know, wow, how, how special lacrosse is. They have really good facilities. They have, they have really high academic standards, and it's in a great area. Um, and Coach Cable, um, you know, took this program when he took uh, 14 years ago and made it into a program that, um, you know, won a league title two years ago, um, you know, and, and finishing consistently, um, you know, you know, right in the middle or, or, or in the upper half. And, and we expect to do that um, and then – and hopefully a relatively really short period of time, how quickly we can go from there to being a team that consistently can finish in the top three. And um, I think our guys are really excited about that, and I know I am and I know our staff that we have. We all believe in that vision. Was it also the right timing in the sense that, you know, sometimes the job might be available at another time or another job is available at another time, and it's not the right timing for you. Was this lacrosse job maybe the perfect timing for you per what you well, say of learning your, your skill set, um, what you like, and, and essentially, okay, I'm ready now to spread my wings, and having coming off basically run the Stevens Point program for for last half of last season? Well, I mean, first of all, I was I was the interim head coach at Stevens Point. That the program was was in a really good shape and oh, it sure. continued yeah. to be in a really good shape. Um, you know, I was just I was just the guy that fortunately had five really special seniors to, to yeah. make sure that we could finish strong. But um, in terms of you know timing, you know how it is, Dave. Uh, you can't control it. Sure. Um, you know, I probably thought um, I was naive enough, like so many other young assistant coaches, um, I was probably naive enough thinking that five, six, seven years ago, I was good enough to, and I was prepared enough to run a college basketball program. And that was so far from the truth. So, you know, looking back at it now, you know, heck, in five years from, from this point, I might be like, you know, I actually thought I knew what the heck I was doing, and I'll probably look back and I'll be like, "Kent, you had no idea." What the heck you were doing. Sure, yeah, right, yeah. But yeah. And that's just that's just that's just part of growing. Um, but the timing was was not ideal, Dave. It um, was not expected. I was very excited to go back to Stevens Point. I was very excited to work with Coach Semling and and those guys. You know, returning so many players that we had last year in that program, really not for just this 
this upcoming season, but the following year into seeing how good pointer basketball and getting pointer basketball back to where everybody expects it to be. And that's the NCAA tournament making a deep run. And so um, it was not, you know, the ideal time, but it was an opportunity that myself, um, my wife, Mandy, who is a lacrosse alum, and in addition to that, um, Coach Semling um, thought was uh, um, the right opportunity, despite the timing of it, you know, to, to take a hold of this. Because, you know, like you said in your question, who knows, you know, where this job is um, come March or April or, you know, whenever there has to be a full search for it. And um, would it be a little bit safer? Would it be a little bit cleaner? Um, and less risky if I waited to apply for it at that point? Well, certainly. But, but again, I think lacrosse is such a unique situation, such a unique environment, such a unique area and opportunity um, that um, I wanted to go full steam ahead with it. And, and, and thankfully, I had my family and, um, and, and my previous institution with Coach Semling and the athletic director, Brad Duckworth, agreeing with that. Let's quickly talk about the other reason about the timing and, and just the elephant in the room. And obviously, it's the Stevens Point investigation that's going on 18 months now and still continues as of we're talking now. We certainly haven't heard anything new. Um, uh, and, and the reason why you coached the last 13 games, um, as Coach Semling was, was uh, for lack of a better term, benched um, by the university per the investigation they had discovered at that point. A lot of people, when you got this job, I think went, whoa, you know, what is this a risky move for either yourself or lacrosse? Because we don't know the outcome of the investigation. We don't truly know who everybody's investigated. We don't know if even you, and I, I, just because everyone's possible, could be implicated. Or are you worried about what that means for your coaching future in any way? Or is this an opportunity yeah, for you no, to make no, that cut? I mean, we're, there's so much, there's so much false, um, reporting and uh, narrative, you know, that's out there. I'll just leave it at this. There's, I have, um, I, I have zero, um, you know, reason to believe uh, that that certainly will affect me. Um, um, the point program coach settling or, or anything else, you know, um, down the line. And, and fortunately, you know, time usually brings out the truth. And uh, so I guess I'll just leave it at that. I'm just, um, um, we're running this program in a first-class manner here. I know Coach Semling is doing the same thing um, at Stevens Point, um, without a doubt. And um, in in time, um, the, a narrative will come out where um, I, I think um, uh, I think it'll be really positive and it'll it'll shed really good light on that story, Dave. Well, I appreciate you answering the question. Uh, let's at least move on about your team now, because now you're the head of lacrosse. Who, as you <clears throat> indicated earlier, you hope to get them consistently into the top of the <clears throat> top three, which, by the way, just makes it more difficult. We already have a top four <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, in, in some cases. Consistency is the key. Lacrosse a couple years ago was on top of this conference. Now they're not. But it's hard to be a Stevens Point. It's hard to be a Whitewater um, who've been very consistent until maybe the last two, two years. But really, the consistency is still there. Oshkosh is starting to show consistencies. Eau Claire is showing consistencies now. River Falls is in the conversation. This isn't like this is going to be a very easy job to do. What do you hope to do? In, let's start with long-term, because we'll get back to short-term in a minute. But in long-term, what do you hope to accomplish at lacrosse, or what do you hope to put in place that will allow you guys to compete at that level on a consistent basis? Well, just like all those programs that you mentioned, and all eight programs in, in, in our league have, have the expectation um, and 
Um, and, and certainly most have the standard of what success is, and, and success is winning a league title and, and making a deep run into the NCAA tournament. I mean, it was it's out of the last 16 years or 15 years that the national champion has come out of our league, and um, it, it means so much to you know, to have this opportunity um, at lacrosse and in what I believe is the best league in the country um, because of how good the coaches are and how good the players are and and and, and there's so many great leagues in this in this country right I mean mm-hmm. uh, you just go down the line and and how good basketball is mm-hmm. and I, I I heard this when I was going to camps um, as a youngster from from Coach Jack Bennett and Bob Parker, uh, the former head coach at Stevens Point, and certainly Coach Sam, uh, the, the, you know, good basketball knows no level, and, and great basketball is played at the Division three level. And what we're just trying to do is recruit, recruit young men that have the vision that lacrosse men's basketball can be um, a consistent performer in this league. And that's what we have to start with, Dave. We can't start with, with anything else. If we're able to do that, we are going to be one of the better teams, um, you know, in the nation um, because of how well we're faring, um, and, you know, in our league. So we just need to start with that, Dave, where we can consistently be, you know, one of those teams that is knocking at the door, you know, for a league title that we're, you know, we're hopeful that we're in the hunt in week 15, 16, and 17, you know, leading into the WIAC tournament. And um, there's just no reason, in my opinion, that we're, we can't do that, and, and we will do that here. We just have to find, you know, young men, and, and that's not easy. That's a tall task because we're doing that. Everybody in our league is doing it. And quite frankly, we have to get guys that are being offered by scholarship schools, you know, to turn down um, – um, you know, some money, partial money, full money, and believe in the vision, um, you know, that we're creating here with our men's basketball program at lacrosse, much like so many other um, athletic um, teams are doing here, mm-hmm. you know, already, you know, um, within our department. And on the flip side, it's going to be a bit of, you know, on paper, it looks like it could be a buff, bit of a rough year. Five out of your out of the six top scores last year uh, left because, you know, time was up <laughs> they would love to have come back so we all would have uh so you're kind of starting i don't want to say cupboards bare that's not a fair way of saying it but certainly with putting guys in new positions or new leadership and of course you're new as well we know coach cables is on campus still with his administrative role but it's not like he's showing up at practices to help mm-hmm. you transition necessarily so what do you what should we expect out of lacrosse this year? Is it going to be a little bit of a rough and kind of a bumpy road a little bit here, or do you think you guys have something that you can maybe put together and, and make some waves in the WIAC? Well, and we'll have to see. You know sure. how we're starting. I I I've really enjoyed our first. You know we're into week five of practice right now um, with our guys. We've I think we've taken on a mentality um, of of having some toughness. And and really being into it, you know, for the team rather than ourselves, and and that doesn't mean that wasn't a scenario scenario before. I'm just saying what we're trying to build right now, and I'm really excited about. Um, I, I think how our guys have responded, you know, to that, and and they feel. I think they feel um, um, that we are growing as a team. You know, maybe not practice by practice. You know, where we're. We, we certainly haven't learned how to become a really good, consistent practice team yet, but sure. but we have shown some spurts, you know, within some drills and on a few days where 
we're really engaged and we understand how difficult it is to be not only in our league, but with our non-conference schedule. And um, uh, we will be tested certainly in non-conference play, you know, by our opponents on, you know, certain, and also, you know, with the timing of, of some of our games and, and, and our, our depth certainly will be tested and, um, and, early on in the season. And then you know, we'll have to see how that plays out into conference play. But, but I definitely believe that, you know, we're, we're a team where we have a group of guys that have a little bit of chip on their shoulder, not only because of how everybody from the outside looking in expects us to potentially, you know, be, um, you know, be down this year for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. Yeah. But also, Dave, this is it's their opportunity. I mean, we have a senior in Milton Cummings uh, and, a, and a junior in Tallish McRae who who is a red shirt, um, or excuse me, a gray shirt who who <laughs> did not go out his his um, his first year here and didn't really anticipate, and then went out um, his second year here. Um, so he's he's already been in the program for a few years and been in college for a few years, and they understand like, hey, this is their time. Um, you know, they did get the opportunity um, um, because of having five really good seniors yeah. to step out onto the court last year where they needed to make a difference in practice. And right now they need to become practice players to rotation players. And certainly in a few instances, you know, we need them to jump from, um, make that jump from rotation to starters and being consistent performers. Yeah. And um, And those guys are excited for that opportunity. We don't have it's not like those opportunities are coming to a new transfer or to a group of freshmen that have come in. We don't have that. It's going to have to come from within, um, from guys that have been in college, have been around college basketball for a few years and have been in this program and they need to be able to make that jump. And they're really excited to do that. And I expect them to do that, Dave. And I wouldn't say that if I didn't believe it, I truly expect them to be able to do that. Well, I congratulate you on getting the job. Look forward to seeing how uh, things work out, as it were, at, at lacrosse, not only in the short term, but in the long term, we hope. Uh, as you probably know, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I, I, I just in general, and because people that listen to your show, they understand how special Division Three is, and or the quality of basketball that takes place um, at this level. And I just appreciate those fans that recognize that, that follow um, our league, the CCIW, um, the NAS, right, the Midwest Conference, the Iowa Conference, anybody around here, the, the MIAC, and, and then obviously the great schools on the East Coast and West Coast as well. And, um, you know, how special it is that our young men, we go to Milwaukee and we play on, um, we played him to a 10-point game last Friday, right? We had to come back. We battled. And the next morning, we get home at 1.30 a.m., and the next morning, our guys are in the gym serving a veterans brunch hmm. for Veterans Day. And then it's so special. And that's, that's just not unique to, to UW-Lacrosse and our program, our athletic department. That happens across the entire country. And it's so special that um, young men, are, are playing truly for the love of the game and, and certainly appreciate the fans that support those guys. Well said, sir. Love that perspective, that perception. Um, thanks for sharing that story. It's great that they were up the next morning. <laughs> That's outstanding. Um, congratulations again. Good luck this season. And we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Dave. Absolutely. Kent Dernbach, head coach of Wisconsin lacrosse. They'll get their season underway on the 15th on the road against Luther. 
Thanks again for Kent Dernbach for joining us. The lacrosse hiring is kind of interesting. Uh, With Polkowski, we had heard that he had at least been talked to by lacrosse about that opening as well. I've been told um, that Dave Buchanan, which many remember from uh, his Division III coaching days, may have at least been offered the job. He certainly was in the mix, I think, before Kent Dernbach and others were brought in. So there's a chance that Buchanan was involved as well. And now Kent has been hired for the job. I think the Kent hiring is fascinating with the Stevens Point case still in the uh, in the air, as it were. I don't think lacrosse makes this hire without either A, knowing a lot of information or at least enough information to know whether Kent is going to get in trouble or if he is in trouble it's in a very insignificant way. That said, it is an interim hire, but as we talked with Polkowski, the state allows us as an emergency hire, as it were, but once the season's over, lacrosse has to open this job up officially. I can't imagine that lacrosse would hire Dernbach without thinking about the future. I can't imagine that they would want to just go on a one-year throw it out there to get things just through the year type scenario. I think there's other choices you could have gone there. You could have named your assistant interim if he was interested. I don't know those situations. That said, let's say something from the Stevens Point investigation does come down and does implicate Kent, and Kent is in some type of trouble that that puts his job in jeopardy. Again, the job opens up anyway, and lacrosse can move on. I, again, don't think that's the wisest thing. So if you're reading the tea leaves about the Stevens Point investigation, I think this hiring of Dernbach at least tells you that Kent may not get in a lot of trouble or significant trouble. There's been a lot of speculation out there, a lot of speculation. I, I just don't see it right now saying that that Kent's going to get something major from the NCAA. I, that's just how I'm reading the tea leaves. Could be dead wrong. We've been dead wrong on a lot of things because things have taken a lot of twists and turns. But let's just say, I think Dernbach's in okay shape. Probably learned something from the entire thing. We did not go further into it in that podcast. I didn't feel like doing it in that interview. I don't think it was necessary to the interview when we don't have very much details out there anyway. So we'll wait and see. Per that investigation, at this point, I can basically tell you this case is not going to affect this season. The reason I say that is, the best of my knowledge, the case has not even gotten essentially closed and presented to the Committee on Infractions, the Division Three Committee on Infractions. Once the Committee of Infractions has it, they have about, I believe, if memory serves, eight weeks at the most to take a case, review it, do whatever they need to, and come back with a verdict. Now, this is going through a negotiation stage with the NCAA and Stevens Point, and a lot of those cases end up skipping the Committee on Infractions altogether. They basically rubber stamp it. I don't think that will happen here. So let's say it gets, you know, right now in the middle of November, the Committee on Infractions gets the case, that any time between now and middle of January, they would come back with a result. And then per those punishments, let's say there are some, there's an appeals process. Now, I don't think Stevens Point will appeal. That's just my own personal gut feeling just based on how I've been reading the tea leaves. But maybe Bob Semling appeals. Maybe Kent Dernbach, if he was implicated, appeals. I don't know. Who knows who would be punished? But that appeals process then also has another timeline. And as you start to add up all the timelines, we basically run out of season, if that makes any sense. So the fact that we have not heard the results of the case, the fact the case is technically not closed at this point in time, starting the season, tells me that Stevens Point won't have this season affected, at least that we are aware of. Now, again, if the case were to show up at the door of the 
Committee on Infractions on November 15th, and they make a decision on November 22nd, that changes everything. That changes the timeline a little bit. But I think enough of the timeline is there to say that this season will not be affected. Of course, remember, last year was basically the first day of the season we found out about the Thomas More scenario, where they had lost an entire season in a national championship. And then a month later, we even found out the significance of the Stevens More point uh, case, that it was much more than we had been led on to be to uh, by a lot of people, including in the public and those involved. So who knows what twist or turn could come of this. But at this point, case isn't closed. I don't think it's going to affect the season at this point. A lot of what has been said publicly, which Kent Dernbach alluded to, but especially by Bob Semling, what is he has said publicly has not been true. If anybody remembers, Bob Semling back this summer said that this case would be buttoned up and everything would be finished by the beginning of the summer or the beginning of the academic year. And he said something that Kent said. He says things will shine an okay light on things, as it were, at Stevens Point. Well, he wasn't right about that timeline at all. I mean, he hasn't been right on some other things he had indicated, that it wasn't a big deal, and the NCAA has come back to say these are major infractions. So we'll see where this investigation goes. There's a lot of information to be had. The report will be fascinating to read, but we, we haven't gotten it, and it hasn't come out. And at this point, you might as well just wait. It has gotten convoluted. It has gotten complicated. And at this point, there's nothing anybody can do. It's not even worth trying to find out what the report says because we'll find out after the fact. And I've been told, you can read it in the NCA bylaws, the committee infractions, there is a sworn to secrecy thing. These things are taken as high level as CIA secrets. They do not let anybody know about these cases, including the NCAA. Those in the governance office of Division Three do not know the results of these cases until Basically, we do. Maybe a couple hours before the media is alerted, they find out. So we'll wait our turn. We'll find out when it comes out. It will come out this season, I suspect. It just won't affect the season the best I can tell at this point. We'll see, uh, obviously, what punishments say, but that, based on appeals and such. Expect to see Bob Semling on the sideline for the foreseeable uh, season, and we'll see how long he goes from there. Uh, speaking of uh, foreseeable seasons and upcoming seasons, Hoopsville again will hit the, hit the air officially for its season debut on November 16th at 7 o'clock Eastern Time. We hope to get about eight or nine shows uh, under our belts before the Christmas holidays. Of course, that's weaving them around other holidays and other responsibilities. December, once again, has become a cornucopia for me of Division Three sports. I'll have soccer championships at the beginning. I'll have football, stag ball in the middle, and I'll have D3 Hoops Classic uh, on the end of that. Just that month, so lots going on. We'll try and weave about eight or nine shows in there. Have to get creative maybe with one or two of them, but we'll figure out how to do it. Don't forget, we'll have the Hoopsville Marathon show back right now. It's tentatively scheduled for Thursday, February 1. Uh, that will be make its re- uh, return. We'll have other specials, as we always do, but we'll talk much more about that coming up on the debut. Once again, I want to thank uh, our guests, Greg Polkowski, Pete Moran, and Kent Dernbach, and their sports information directors for their help putting this show together. Certainly appreciate it. I hope you enjoy these preseason podcasts. I'll say I certainly enjoy them. Uh, They are far easier to put together than they are our normal shows for a lot of varying reasons. I don't think we'll ever change how we do our normal in-season shows at this point in time, but these podcasts have at least allowed me to realize that we can do maybe some off-season shows, so maybe we'll dabble with some off-season stuff. I know we didn't talk about as much women's basketball in these podcasts. We certainly talked about it in podcast two with the Wash U moves. A lot of the women's moves weren't as dramatic, and the one that we certainly wanted to talk about we couldn't get anywhere with for obvious reasons would have been the St. John Fisher change mainly because we couldn't get anywhere on getting information on ourselves. We'll make up for that. We'll certainly have our fair share of women's uh, segments in the regular season of the show. 
Uh, it's unfortunate we didn't get them in these podcasts, but down the road we'll certainly um, we'll make up for that nonetheless. Hope you enjoyed these preseason podcasts. Let us know. You can always email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, if you have any ideas or if you want to share your thoughts on our preseason podcast. At the same time, you can always tweet us at d3hoopsville or use the hashtag hoopsville. Instagram's the same thing, at d3hoopsville. Or on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Thanks, everybody. Help these preseason podcasts get underway. We've got about 48 hours to get the regular season underway in terms of hoopsville. The regular season starts November 15th, and we'll get our show going on November 16th. Hope you'll join us. We look forward to hopefully talking to both preseason number one teams, and somewhere in the early shows, we'll also talk to both committee chairs as well. Thanks again for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks to our guests as well. We hope to you look forward to the upcoming season, and we look forward to tipping off officially the 2017-2018 basketball season in just a few days. Copyrighted broadcast of Hoopsville is a property of DMAC Productions and David McHugh and is intended solely for the private, personal use of our audience. Any other broadcast, rebroadcast, or other use of the descriptions and accounts of this show without the express written consent of Hoopsville and DMAC Productions is strictly prohibited.